Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. Welcome back for another weekly dose of Nuggets news and tidbits. Uh, definitely going to be more on the tidbits side this week. I won't lie to you guys. I am I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. We're, of course, the largest Denver Nuggets blog on the web. You're going to want to check us out. Also, want to check us out on Twitter at DenverStiffs, on Instagram at TheDenverStiffs, and also on Facebook. Make sure to like us. Uh, I say this every week, so if you guys listen often, you're probably tired of hearing it. But we do have a lot of content that comes out on those social media platforms that you won't necessarily find on our site. So you want to go ahead and make sure you're following all that stuff to get the full Denver Stiffs experience. All right, let's let's bust into this this podcast. I was just talking pre-pod how it's man, we're getting rough. We're here at the uh, we're here right before it's the calm right before the storm. That's probably actually not a very good um, analogy to use right now, but. Yeah, what the hell, Zach? Anyways, anyways, we don't have much going on. Um, As you just heard right there, that's Ryan Ryan Blackburn. He's got a lot going on because he's down there in South Carolina. Ryan, how are you doing preparing for the rain? Well, doing all right. Picking up supplies. All the grocery stores and supermarkets are cleaned out pretty much down here. But it looks like the storm's going to miss us for the most part, and it'll just be a lot of rain. So does that mean, Ryan, like for the next week, you're basically going to have to subsist off of pinto beans and like canned mackerel? That was all you could find left at the store? Oh, yeah. That's uh, and power bars. That's that's what I got, power baby. Bars. Nice. Nice. That is the, actually the college breakfast of champions right there. Power <laughs> bar, maybe a Mountain Dew. You'll be set. Um, also joining us from much, much sunnier locale you know, down there in Littleton is Miss Kayla Osby. Kayla, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah, just, yeah, feeling lucky that just watching the rain on TV. There you go. Mm-hmm. Being that. Exactly. No no canned mackerel for Caleb this week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, the, the show, like I said, there's the, there, we were just talking to pre-pod, and I was like, I don't think there was literally any, like, any Nuggets news that broke. I mean, oh, so here's the, there's a couple things that went on, and I do want to, I'm going to touch on one thing here in just a bit. But um, 
Wancho, of course, is still over playing in Eurobasket, but we did a big Wancho segment last pod, so I just felt like we were just kind of be recycling it again. Um, but shout out to Wancho. You know what? He's, he's actually second. I saw this. He's second in scoring. Um, for Spain, and you had a big article on him, didn't you, Ryan? Uh, not not a big one, but I just I wanted to put into perspective the stats that he's been putting up right there. Uh, all of his per thirty six numbers, which are basically adjusted for minutes, uh, he's doing really well in Spain. He's not shooting as well as he should be, but he's actually protecting the rim a little bit more. He's becoming a rebounding force, and he's second on the team in points right now. Who's he trailing, Marc Gasol or? Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol is Pau their Gasol. main, he's their okay. main point scorer at the moment. Gotcha, gotcha. Still going strong out there, Pau. Huh. So, um, yeah, I mean, Wancho, like I said, he's, he's doing great stuff over in Eurobasket, but we, we've covered him pretty uh, pretty extensively. If you guys want to check out, we had some highlights, like some, we got Ryan's article. We like um, him a lot. We gotta, exactly, yep, we like Wancho. So that's about all the time we'll spend on him. Uh, there. The other thing that happened this week that I just want to touch on real quick, um, the Nuggets did a charity drive yesterday. I actually went down there. Uh, they did a, it's a sports equipment charity drive that they do every year. It's uh, it's a team off of basically all of Cronky Sports and Entertainment. So the Nuggets, the Avalanche, the Raptors, uh, the Raptors, the Rapids, uh, <laughs> the Mammoth, and and uh, just the whole Cronky team, Pepsi Center. And and it's a really cool thing because it's it, it's twofold. Obviously, we're they're doing a great towards a great cause of of donating this sports equipment to kids in need. The other thing that I that I found out when I was reading about it was it's actually uh, in a way to honor um, Jessica Goey, who was who was one of the victims of the uh, Aurora Theater shooting. She um, she was a intern at Altitude Sports and Entertainment. Um, and had always talked about doing a charity event like this, and so then after uh, the tragedy that happened to Jessica, the the, the Altitude team and the Cronky Sports team decided to pick it up and, and go with it, and now it's six years strong. So, really cool event. I wanted to give them a shout out because I was, like I said, I was down there, and it was really cool to see all the all the different sports equipment. Uh, you know, I know how like sometimes as kids, it's it, there's nothing worse uh, either as a kid to hear or as a parent to have to tell a kid that. They can't play their sport because they you just can't afford sports equipment and like I get it man it's expensive it um, it gets out of hand so it was really cool and I was happy to see that I wanted to give them a shout out uh, as for the rest of our show we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna kind of wrap up our our youth core uh, series that we've kind of been doing uh, we'll talk about this week we'll talk about Malik Beasley and then we'll get into Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon. Um, and then right before the show, we just decided, you know what, let's let's add a segment about talking about the rotation since we're we're almost there to to training camp just a few weeks away. So it's a good time as any to kind of debate who's going to probably be the, ro- the at least be the odds-on favorites for the rotation early on in the season. So let's let's bust into it, and uh, I want to start with Malik Beasley because I think I think we've you know we've gone through Wancho and Nicola and Gary and. Uh, Jamal, Manuel, all those guys. And Malik's kind of, you know, he, I mean, he's still first-round pick um, as well. He was a guy who obviously spent a lot of time in the D-League last season, but we've seen some flashes. Um, we've seen some flashes from him and what he can be. Ryan, for Malik for Malik to be more than just this guy who's bouncing back and forth from the D-League and, and the last guy on the bench, what's he got to, what, where does he have to improve the most? Well, the... The big thing about this Nuggets team at the moment is that their their offense is set. There's nothing that they need to change about the offense. Run things through Nikola Jokic, let Gary Harris cut off ball, use Paul Millsap occasionally, and then spot up, and hopefully Jamal Murray gets into the action. 
What they need right now is perimeter right. defense, and that's where I think Malik Beasley shows the most potential of any Nuggets guard at the moment, uh, including Gary Harris, because Malik Beasley is he's long, he's athletic, he's quick twitch, he's a guy who, if he can figure out how to sit down and understand the defensive concepts that the Nuggets are trying to preach and excel at them, then I think that he could earn himself a rotation spot by the end of the year. Yeah, that well, that would be... That would be interesting if he if he does that. So that's interesting you say defense. I'm just trying to look it up right now. So he has a wingspan, six foot seven. So that's um, it's not super that's long. Legit. Well, I mean, it, and for for a two guard, that's that's actually not great. But what he could be is a point of attack uh, defender. Uh, we've talked right. about Malik Beasley at point guard or Gary Harris at point guard. Imagine deploying those two together, uh, considering that the Nuggets have a very very large hole at the point guard position at the moment. Uh, right. What if Malik Beasley was the guy who came off the bench and wasn't necessarily the main ball handler at that point, but you give the ball to Nikola Jokic and let him facilitate and then let Gary Harris defend ones or Malik Beasley defend ones. And that's probably better than having them defend threes at this point because neither is big enough. Yeah, especially, I mean, man, in today's NBA, some of those threes are, oh, I mean, they, they push 6'10". So that would be tough. I agree with you there. That's an interesting concept, though, to think about putting Gary Harris and Malik Beasley together. I'm sure we'll see a lot of, uh, you know, the guy who's got who's taken basically Malik's spot in the rotation right now is Will Barton. I'm yeah. sure we'll see some Will Barton and Gary Harris uh, together. Although I don't know that, I mean, Barton's a pretty solid ball handler uh, in his own right. Kayla, what about you? What do you think Malik has to work on to get into the rotation? Uh, yeah, I agree with defense. I think obviously most young players uh could always improve defense, but I think mainly his shot selection will probably be the the biggest thing that, um, you know, if he can improve on that, I think he can be a valuable part of the offense. Um, Cause yeah, he showed flashes last season where, you know, he can, he could be a good spot up shooter and, and create for himself, but um, I think he just has to, to find a better shot selection to, to be more consistent. Right. Yeah. That's a good point too, as well. I'm trying to let's uh, I should, I should have had this pulled up, but I'm wondering what Malik shot last season as far as, um, well, he shot a reasonable percentage, but as we kind of saw... It's in, a small sample size, though. That's the problem, right? as, as we saw in Summer League, his shot selection as kind of the main uh, the main guy in the rotation, he, was, he wasn't great. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was probably the main thing that we didn't really see any progress from him. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and, I mean, a little bit of that, obviously, is the pressure that was on him because, obviously, in Summer League, he's the guy. Um, whereas that's not going to be the case with the, with the Nuggets. He's a very much a, uh, you know, secondary, not even, not even you could call him a tertiary player um, in, in the offense when he's on the court. So he's, I, I think some of that will help, just the fact that he's not going to have to be relied on. But you're right. I mean, if he can, if he, he can rein that in, because we, we saw some definitely, there's some shots that he took last time that, that it wasn't even that he was taking a lot of them. It was that the quality of shots that he was getting was not – he was settling, right? He wasn't getting really great great looks. Right. You don't, you don't want a guy like that to be settling for the mid-range shot all the time. And that's the, uh, the DeMar DeRozan, Kobe Bryant kind of mentality that this Nuggets team just cannot have. Uh, there's no reason for it at all. Uh, I definitely think that Malik Beasley could settle into a nice 3 and D player. Uh, but, again, he has to be one dribble, two dribble to the rim, or settle for a three-pointer or pass. Just just make the right play. Right, right, yeah. And, that, I mean, that that's something that obviously has to come with time. Um, with with any young player, some guys like Jokic pick it up really quick. Some guys um, 
take a little bit longer. And I mean, with Beasley, I think the, obviously the jury's still out. Uh, so Ryan, do you think though is that is that his ceiling as a as a three and D kind of guy? No, I mean, I mean, he's twenty. It's it's really hard to put a ceiling on a guy like that. I mean, it's. I mean, what, what were you doing at twenty? It's it's crazy to think <laughs> that we're we're trying to put ceilings on twenty year olds, and especially a guy like Malik who's coming off of a major leg injury, uh, coming right. out of college. So I don't know. I think that this season will show a lot if he can if he can continue to get stronger. If he can continue to get bigger and show that he can play the necessary defense and potentially even create some offense because the Nuggets are still going to need some dribble creators, but smart dribble creators. Uh, I could definitely see him earning a rotation spot this year, and maybe he tops out as a as a solid starter. Uh, I don't think that's as likely as most of the outcomes that he has, but uh, I could definitely see him getting into a starter range player. Yeah. What about you, Kayla? Uh, yeah, I think I, I, don't, I see... At least with the Nuggets, I think his ceiling is probably just as a as a backup that gets consistent minutes. Yeah, um, right. I could see him as a starter on another team, but you know, since we have Gary Harris and the backcourt seems pretty set for us, I don't really see him getting um, having a much higher ceiling than that. But yeah, I think if he comes in and just plays consistent minutes and um, gets better on defense and just hits shots on a consistent basis, I think um, that that would be a good ceiling for him. But, at least with the Nuggets, I totally agree. Yeah, you her. bring. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a great point that you bring up. I mean, the Nuggets have already spent a lot of draft capital on guys like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, uh, even Emmanuel Moutier, that it's hard to... I mean, you got to believe that Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, those are the guys that they want to be. And we'll get into rotation here later, but you got to believe those are the guys that they want to be the backcourt of the future. So, so Beasley, um, you're right. That on the Nuggets, it's hard to see him... Uh, supplanting either one of those. What I think is interesting, though, is if you take him off the Nuggets. I mean, I really, it's like like you said, Ryan. It's hard to it's hard to put a ceiling on him because athletically, I mean, he's as gifted as anybody. Uh, he's a good shooter. He's he's got enough length, like we talked about, to be a to be a decent defender and and you know the athleticism to do it. I mean, he has all the tools to be a great player. It, it just, I mean, that's a long ways to go. For Malik Beasley, and it's, you don't see somebody come from where he's at right now to that that level um, often. But if you're talking strictly ceiling, I think, man, I mean, the guy could probably do anything um, in this league. He could be one of the one of the better ones out there. I mean, I like I guess I don't want to I want to get high, you know talk hyperbole, but I mean, like I could see in a perfect situation where everything goes just right, Malik Beasley ending up being like an all star type player, but. Well, and, and where's this perfect situation? It's it's really not in Denver, right. is it? No, yeah, it's definitely not in Denver unless they were going to clear out. You know, if they had made some of these trades that were rumored where a guy like Jamal Murray or Gary Harris had gotten uh, – gotten uh, – where a guy had been moved, um, I could uh, I could see then him having possibly the opportunity here. But like like Caleb pointed out, I mean, there's just there's just too much guys in front of him. Um, right now, it's it's not the perfect situation in Denver. You're right; it would have to be somewhere else, and I don't know where that would be. I mean, there's so many things that would have to go right for that to happen for him. So, let me ask you this though, Kayla: What about so if he does get to that rotation level player, um, it maybe even as fast as this season? Does it really? I mean, how much does it really affect what the Nuggets are doing? Does it? Because when I look at it, I'm like, okay, it fills a hole that they're going to have next season, which is Will Barton is probably going to be gone, or at least it means you don't have to pay Will Barton. But I can't see much, much more value that he could bring by becoming a rotation player right now. What about you? 
Yeah, I agree. I think it it would it would be good for the the future of the backcourt just because you know then we'd have three players um, all you know really young that you know could be on the team for a long time um, and we don't have to worry about you know overpaying guys like Will Barton. But yeah, I don't know as far as um, how much better it would make the team. Um, like if he can bring more into the team than Will Barton could in a season or two. But um, I, I think it's always good to have a young you know a young backcourt with a lot of potential. Right. Right, absolutely. Ryan, what about you? Like, I mean, let's say let's say uh, Malik develops into like a six man type of guy, like Will Barton, uh, basically is for the Nuggets. Does it? Do you think he can somehow make them better than they are right now, or is he just again just kind of fills the the hole that Will Barton would leave? Uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, Will Barton shot thirty seven percent from three last year, and while he wasn't great as a defender, he was reasonable as a facilitator on the second unit. So. I don't know. I think there there are pros and cons to both of them. I think they would probably top out at about the same place. But, I mean, maybe I'm higher on Will Barton than most people. Yeah, well, like, see, so here's the thing, man. I'm I'm pretty high on Will as well. I mean, he's been, um, for his contract, he's been great. I mean, the value that you get out of uh, Will Barton is incredible. I just think that, I just don't, I think it's going to be tough for the Nuggets uh, to re-sign him because rightfully so he's going to be looking for a big uh, a big pay raise and the Nuggets have got to think about how they're going to get Gary Harris and Nicole Jokic and then uh, assuming you know down the road Jamal Murray under contract and I just don't see Will Barton as as the guy you know who's going to be there as well he's going to be one of those casualties you're going to have to make so well, and Will's, that... Will's one of those guys where you can slot him in at the small forward for about 20 minutes per game and I don't right. think that Malik Beasley is ever going to be that guy uh, right. He just doesn't really have the body for it, and like he's he's getting bigger. Don't get me wrong, but there are just some physical limitations that he has that right. Will Barton doesn't have, even though he's skinny. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Will's just a little bit bigger. He's a little bit taller, a little bit longer, um, and you need that with with uh, the small forwards that you you find today in the NBA. Um, all right, tell you what, I wanna let's go ahead and uh, let's move on to the next next two guys. We're gonna we're gonna double up on this next segment. We're gonna do our, our two. <laughs> we have to double up because there's so many power forwards. We can't fit them all. Um, they're, they're in their own segment, and they're also a package deal. That's right, and they were the, yes the the 2017 draft special, Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon. Um, all right, let, let's go with this. Uh, Kayla, when you when you look at a guy like Trey Lyles, where where does he have to improve to basically be, uh, I mean, be someone that they, that the Nuggets are going to use? Um, definitely defense, because that's that's what the Nuggets need, and um, you know, I think he that's kind of why we probably brought him on is, is so that he could be a backup power forward that could right. maybe stretch the floor and and be consistent in the defensive end, and so I think if he's going to be valuable uh, to us. I think he has to just be a really good defensive player, um, as well as just more consistent maybe from, from hitting threes and uh, mid-range jumpers. Right, yeah, because he was, I mean, he's, he's shown that range, but he had a really down year last year in terms of shooting. Um, I think also defense, what's important to think about on the defense too is we talk so much about how Nikola Jokic, when you take him off the court, how do you replicate that? I mean, the Nuggets traded for Mason Plumlee largely because of Mason's passing ability and how he could at least replicate some of what Jokic did on the offense so it wasn't completely different I think we're going to see a lot of that on defense now with Paul Millsap kind of being the quarterback of this Nuggets defense and making sure everybody's in the right position and then being the outstanding defender he is himself so when he comes off the court 
having a guy like Trey Lyles, if he could be uh, a, a solid defender, I mean, like, not as good as Millsap, but same thing as how Plumlee's not as good as Jokic. If he can, they'll be kind of do some of those things, it could be a big help. The problem, of course, is Lyles got a long way to go on his uh, defensive abilities, um, at least from where he's at right now. What about you, Ryan? Are you looking at defense as the number one thing he needs to improve? No, oh, everybody needs to improve defense. What, I, what I'll <laughs> throw in here, uh, guess who was the more efficient Three point sh- or more efficient player last year, Trey Lyles or Emmanuel Mudiay? When you're talking efficiency, we're talking like true shooting percentage. True or? shooting percentage is what I'd go with. Oh man, they're both probably pretty bad. I guess I'll go Mudiay. Mudiay was at forty eight point three percent, and Lyles was at forty six point four percent. Both of those good. are wretched. Like the, <laughs> yeah, the they... average for true shooting percentage is around the fifty four fifty five range. So both of them are like 6 to 8% underneath par, which is awful. Now, that's not the only thing that Lyles has to improve on, of course, but if he's going to get on the court, he he's going to need to hit his open shots, and that's just something that he didn't do with, with the Jazz. Uh, Nikola Jokic and, to a lesser extent, Mason Plumlee are going to draw a lot of gravity inside the three-point line based off of their passing, based off of how how well they roll into the middle of the paint. Trey Lyles is going to need to take advantage of that on the offensive end if he wants to get minutes. And if he can't do that, then we're going to be seeing Kenneth Fareed in the rotation, unless Kenneth Fareed is off the team. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's without a doubt. I mean, if um, uh, if Lyles can't give you that, it's here's the thing. He's got to he's got to sit there and fight with with all these guys. Like we you mentioned, Kenneth Fareed. I mean. Um, if he's not going to execute uh, either as, as a role man or if he's not going to execute his shots, then the, there's not a lot of room for error, I guess, is, is, is kind of what I'm getting at there. Um, I wanted to look this up real quick here because I want to see what was their, what was their true shooting percentage between Emmanuel Moutier and Trey Lyles in their rookie seasons. Uh, that, I've got, I I got my... Lyles here. Lyles is at 51.7%, which isn't bad. Which, for a rookie, that's and, reasonable. And, and Moutier was at forty three point seven, so which was which is again awful. But uh, so that that's the thing that I would like to bring up about the Lyles though is it's like he wasn't bad his rookie season. In fact, I mean he played what he played in eighty games. He he started thirty three of them. He got seventeen minutes. He shot, shot thirty eight percent for three. Like that's right, a, exactly. That's a, good, that's a good shooter right there. Exactly. So that's where I get hope for him because I'm like, man, maybe last year he was just in a funk. Things weren't going right. You know, now he's got a new, uh, a new change of scenery. And I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm intrigued. I should say I'm intrigued that, that Lyles could be a guy uh, who could basically be the next Will Barton. This guy would get for basically uh, pennies. And then he turns out to be a very good player. A little tidbit on his shooting. Uh, yeah. Last year. Uh, his his rookie season, he shot fifty four point seven percent of his three point attempts from the corners. Uh, from the corners, mm. and he shot over forty four percent from three. Like, if you're going to be a forty four percent three point shooter from the corner, then you're a very valuable player. And right. this pass is a power forward, absolutely, and especially in the Nuggets offense, like you have Mason Plumlee and Nikola Jokic. Uh, he'll likely play with Plumlee more, obviously. But those guys are going to be in the middle of the of the play. They're going to be distributing from the middle. And that's a great way for them to space the floor. This past season, he shot 
just about 30% of his three-point attempts, which is a 25% decrease uh, mm-hmm. from the corner, and he shot a lesser percentage anyway. So I'd love to hmm. see them try and use him from the corner, uh, space the floor that way, and it would help uh, open up the paint in situations where Mason Plumley needs to open up the paint. And as we'll talk about later with rotation questions, we're going to need the paint open on the bench. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yes, we will. But uh, I don't know if we'll get it. Um, all right. So kind of switching over to Tyler Lydon here. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about what Tyler Lydon needs to improve upon because I don't really know um, all, what, what Tyler Lydon is in the NBA yet. Um, but, Ryan, what about this? Let's talk about the Syracuse thing. So they played a zone defense, obviously. They're notorious for that. Now he's got to play man defense. Obviously, Lydon says, look, I played man in practice every day. How I mean, how concerned are you about that? About him being able to adjust to a man-to-man style D? Uh, not as I mean, not really. I I think that in order to play a zone defense, you have to like you may not be as physically gifted enough to play a man-to-man defense. And Tyler Lydon's obviously not the quickest guy in the world. So when you're asking him to when you're tasking him to guard some of the biggest and strongest power forwards or the quickest small forwards in the NBA, then that's where he's going to struggle. However, in order to be a zone player, you have to have a lot of basketball intelligence on the defensive end, and you have to understand rotations. It's very true. And prob- that's probably the most important thing with the Nuggets right now is they just didn't have guys on the defensive end who were willing to rotate or knew how to rotate. So right. that's that's where I think that they're going for with a guy like Tyler Lydon is they know what they're going to get with him. Like he's He knows what to do. On the on the defensive end, and he actually showed that in summer league. It's it's kind of the lesser, one of the lesser known points about his game was that he actually demonstrated that he could rotate well and rotate frequently. He picked up a lot of blocks in summer league. I was I was really surprised actually. Yeah, that's good. That's actually a great point. It's a great way of looking at it. I hadn't thought about that yet. Um, Kayla, what about you? How concerned are you about Tyler Lydon's defense? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned. I think, obviously, it's going to be an adjustment um, just because he hasn't used some of those skills, um, you know, when he was in college as far as having to be quick and, and things like that. But I think, yeah, like Ryan said, I think it could end up being valuable that um, that he has that that he has that background. And just as long as, uh, you know, he makes those adjustments, I think he should be fine. And I let, think... let me let me say this. If, if he's playing over 15 minutes per game over, like, the course of 40 games, then the Nuggets are in trouble. Like, that's... Yeah, that's uh, a bar none. That's that's a huge issue if that happens. However, if he's if he's asked to come in and, and play some spot minutes for some injured guys and then go back to the bench once those guys come back, I'm not as concerned with that. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, it would take like a, a biblical plague or something coming down <laughs> on the next power forwards <laughs> to get to get Leiden up there. Um, you know, I, I think you guys both bring up great points tonight because I, to me, I'm not as concerned about the man versus zone thing when it comes to defense with Leiden. My biggest concern with Leiden in defense is, is his size um, right now. He doesn't really have an NBA body. And uh, as a power forward, I mean, we saw this picture at Red Rocks of him sitting next to Paul Millsap and it's just like, I mean, the no- difference is, is noticeable. And listen, Leiden's probably never going to be uh, as, as, as stout as, as Millsap is, but he's going to have to get bigger to be able to hold his own in the paint with power forwards, uh, to be able to hold his own against a guy like Draymond Green, um, who's going to bully him when he's on defense. So that, to me, is probably his, his biggest 
place that I'd like to see him improve because, I, like I said, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much uh, unknown about him right now. We've only got a little bit bits of him in college and then obviously in summer league. So, um, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I I don't buy too much into the man zone thing either. So I think I think if he works on his body, he might be all right. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk backup power for. Well, you know what? we're going to get to this later. I don't want to. We're going to double up. This is what happens when we change the rundown uh, right before, <laughs> right before we go live. So I'm going to skip that now. Let's just go like into this. If let's say Trey Lyles is a guy who goes becomes a starter because that was the idea when he was drafted. He was drafted pretty high, I believe. What was he like? Twelve or eleven? Twelfth yep. overall. Um, yeah, so I mean that's it. You you pick a guy twelfth overall. You're you're generally expecting him to develop into a solid starter or a very good bench player. Um, Ryan, if if he becomes the starter, kind of like how we're talking about if Malik Beasley makes it into the rotation, if Trey Lyles becomes a starter, I mean, does he then become like all right? He's the guy who fills the spot that Paul Millsap leaves in in two or three years. Well, yeah, I, I would I would definitely see that. I don't think he's as great of a playmaker, but Paul Millsap wasn't as great of a playmaker earlier in his career as he is now. So that's something that right. Trey could definitely develop. Uh, Lyles isn't the biggest guy. He's He is 6'10", but he has right. a little bit shorter arms. He's not going to be as lengthy and rangy as a lot he's of different got guys. That, uh, he's got that like baby fat look kind of to him, too. You know? Yeah. Like, it, he's like... He has been working out though, so I'm I'm definitely thinking that he's going to continue to work on his body and try and earn a spot in the rotation this year. Uh I don't know. I it's so difficult because you need guys that are just going to circle around Jokic and and Gary Harris and make sure to complement those two, maybe even Jamal Murray. Uh but I definitely think that Trey Lyles could be that guy. He just needs to hone in on the defensive end and understand that that's where he's going to earn his time, along with just making his open threes. Right. What about you, Kayla? Is is Trey Lyles a guy you think can become a starter and, and eventually replace Millsap? Well, I heard I heard the end button, so try and get Kayla back a little bit. Uh, oh, uh-oh. hey. You there? There she is. Sorry, yes, yes. hey, sorry, I have no idea what, what just happened. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. We were just asking, I just wanted to know what you thought, if you thought Trey Lyles could be a guy who could replace uh, Paul Millsap eventually as the starting power forward. Uh, yeah, I think that, that should definitely be the goal. I mean, since we have so many power forwards, I think the goal should definitely be trying to, to keep one of them long-term um, after Paul Millsap leaves. Uh, and yeah, I could definitely see him having a having a role like that, but... Um, Obviously, yeah, he has a he has a long way to go, but I, I could see. It. Also, have to right, consider Wancho. That's what I was just gonna say. Oh, Wancho! Right, it comes down to like him, him or Wancho, right? One of those two guys is gonna oh, okay. be that guy. Yeah. Um, but I would say this: I wouldn't necessarily say Wancho right now is clearly more more likely to be become that guy than than Trey Lyles is. I I'm honestly pretty intrigued by Lyles. I think he can be pretty good, um, or he could be a bust. I don't know yet. That's uh, I don't watch enough jazz basketball, I guess. That's what I can tell you there. Um, speaking of busts, this is my nice little segue here. Uh, to wrap up this kind of segment, going back to Tyler Lydon, Ryan, what what does Lydon have to do? Like, what what is his floor that he has to reach for a, for you to feel okay with the Nuggets taking him with that twenty fourth pick? Uh, thirty five to thirty seven percent three point shooter, adequate defender who can 
play in space and and not necessarily just be a complete catastrophe and uh, a smart enough offensive player to know how to pass the ball out of bad situations and be a rotation player that puts up 18 to 20 minutes per game off the bench. All right. That's see, I'm, I'm kind of similar with you. Cause I'm like, you know, it was the, it was the 24th pick in the draft. That's, that's pretty far back. Um, it's not like you, you spent a ton on him. It's a little bit jaded because they had the 13th pick in the draft and then they traded back. Um, and of course they got Trey Lyles with that, with that pick trade, but I'm, I'm, I'm about the same place. Like if you can become a rotation player, if he can become a backup power forward for them, who's a stretch four off the bench, uh, you know, like you say, it hits about 37% from the three point land. Uh, I'm fine with that. You need, that's a good role player to have, you know, be a decent rebounder, uh, for him. Because that's, then I think he just, that's probably Ursan Ilyasova. And yeah, right, that's exactly. fine. I'm good with that. Exactly. Uh, Kayla, what about you? Do you, th- what, what is, what has Leiden got to do to be considered a, a decent value for where he was picked? Yeah, I definitely think just making the rotation. Um, I think a lot of fans, you know, with this draft, hope that we would get at least one player that would be in the rotation for um, for years to come. So I think if he if he's in the, just a backup role and he's uh, in the rotation, I think that would be that would that would mean that we made a good pick. I agree. Like I said, we got You got to remember it, it, because I think the fans get uh, a little bit jaded by the fact that we traded down. Um, from that 13th pick, and then of course the guy that that was picked at number 13, Donovan Mitchell, had a pretty good, uh, pretty good summer league. So that that just was like a little salt in the wound. And I think sometimes now people might be because they're angry about it, they have these these expectations that Leiden has to meet uh, to make them happy. Like that, I don't think um, are necessarily fair. And I, I think we're all on the same page. I mean, if the guy can just make it into the rotation, that's fine. I'm not convinced that Donovan Mitchell is going to be an elite NBA guard, by the way. And I don't think oh, anybody's no, like, like that's he's, he is a one slash two. He's not going to be big enough to guard a lot of twos on a consistent basis. So that was the Gary Harris qualm right there. Like that is, that is the exact same player type. And while you love to have another Gary Harris on your team, like how useful is that for a team that already has Malik Beasley and Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray, right? Yeah, we've we've got plenty of one-two tweeners on our team right now. We don't, we probably don't need any more. Not so. worried about it. So, but I mean, that not that that stopped us from stacking up power forwards, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, all right, tell you what, let's go ahead and we'll take a break, and then we will come back. We'll just do one more segment, and we'll talk about let's talk about the rotation uh, since we're getting there. We're getting right up now to it. I'm sure this is this is the Michael Malone conundrum 2017. So. We will be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, Maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. 
Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Laurie. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlaurie.format.com. That's P O R T E R L O R I dot format.com. Give them a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape my can't escape my skin. Mikosh. We are joined today with Ryan Blackburn, who is ducking uh, Hurricane Irma to come and podcast with us, uh, or at least at least getting prepared for it while podcasting at the same time. Um, and also uh, uh, Kayla Osby down there in Littleton, not worried too much about hurricanes. So uh, we spent our we spent our first our first half of the show or first two segments kind of kind of wrapping up our, our series on on the young core and what we expect those guys where they need to improve what, what, what they could mean to the team uh, we went over Malik Beasley and then we went over obviously Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles and now I want to bust into the rotation because right before the podcast we were like hey what, what the heck should we talk about uh, and Ryan was like let's talk about the rotation and I was like all right why not so um, as good as as good a topic as any um, gonna blame this on me now it is. I am. That's that's what what uh, the privileges you get because I edit the podcast, so I can just. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can do what I want, Brian. Uh, uh, so let's. But let's. I thought it was a great topic. I did the because the, the rotation is really interesting this year because all that talk about consolidation, um, it didn't happen. It basically <laughs> is, is what it comes down to. <laughs> so we're still. We're still stuck with. I, I think they actually have more. I mean, if you were going to look at like legitimate or or semi legitimate rotation guys, uh, I think they have more this year than they did last year. Uh, believe it or not. Um, so let's get into the first of the the one that I think is is like the the key to the whole season, basically, which is the point guard rotation. Because 
That was a major issue last season. It came down to the point where Jameer Nelson was the guy that uh, was getting the starts because he was the guy that coach could trust as much or the most, and the Nuggets were trying to make it to the playoffs. Of course, they fell short. Um, and now hindsight being twenty twenty, should he have maybe played Jamal Murray? Now you go into this season where it seems like, okay, you're kind of almost where you were last season with Nicole Jokic. Now you're with Jamal Murray. Are you going to make the same, possibly make the same mistake where you're trying to make kind of like some weird combination work or maybe, well, maybe Jameer is still going to start and Jamal's off the bench, something like that, uh, until you finally figure out, hey, this is the guy I want to go with, like they did with Jokic last year. Or are you going to just roll with him as the starter um, right out the gate? I think that's one of the biggest dilemmas that Coach Malone has got to solve and I think he needs to solve it early on. Ryan, how do you see the point guard rotation shaking out? Uh, uh, I'll make this point pretty briefly, but the Nuggets, if Jameer Nelson plays over 1,500 minutes this year, then both Mike Malone and Tim Connolly need to be on the hot seat. There are lots of issues with playing a 35-year-old point guard, especially when you have two 20-year-olds, basically, that need development on a young team and there's also the fact that we had an opportunity over the summer to potentially acquire some pretty solid talent at the point guard position there are rumors of kyle lowry chris paul kyrie irving eric bledsoe and the nuggets went after george hill uh brad wanamaker Uh, (laughs) high-end talent the Nuggets went after none of them or or they did and we didn't really hear that much about it unfortunately right so those those are opportunities to get better as a team and really solidify your place in the playoff rotation and the Nuggets decided they wanted to take the slow route and they're fine with doing that but in because you did that, now you have to make sure that Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Moutier are developing. And you cannot fall right. back again on Jameer Nelson to play heavy minutes. Because if you do, then so help me. Like That is the ultimate kiss of death and in the mm-hmm. failure of a rotation and the failure of a front office. So, and not, yeah, that's, well, that's my, and also that's my opinion. Say, I would say it's also a bit of a failure in your player development staff as well. Because... Yes. Um, you, you've spent high draft picks on these guys. If, if you have to go back to Jameer Nelson, then it's just like, man, it's a... Uh, it, it would be basically the death sentence for uh, to me for Emmanuel Moody, at least with the Nuggets. Um, and then and then you'd really have to steady or really have to pull back your expectations for Jamal Murray if he still can't beat out Jameer Nelson for the starter. Kayla, what about you? Where do you think this point guard sh- uh, rotation shakes out? I Yeah, I, I, I agree with Ryan. I think um, Coach Malone really has to I think he has to establish what he's doing early on because I don't think he can uh waste another year with with Moody just riding the bench um because yeah these are the years that I think is most important in his player development um not saying that he you know Moody would help us win more games than than Nelson would like immediately but I think you have to establish what you're going to do with him because you know you can't just keep saying like oh he's he's not getting minutes right now because at this point it's um yeah it's I think you have to establish what you're going to do with him. Otherwise it's, it, it's kind of going to seem like we're just keeping him on. And yeah, I don't know. I think he, they just have to decide what they're going to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think what, like the point you bring up, I mean, the, he, when he benched Moutier last year, you know, one of the things he said is that he told Manuel, don't worry, you're still going to get your opportunity. 
Um, how much longer can you continue to say that before it's like, well, at this point, is he not going to? The the opportunity is gone. You know, um, I, I think that's a serious uh, a serious question. One of the biggest questions going into the season uh, is is whether or not Emmanuel Mudiay can be. Uh, and, and here's the thing: it's it's a lowered expectation. We're asking whether or not can Mu, Emmanuel Mudiay essentially be the backup because I think everybody expects Jamal Murray to be that starter. So we're not at where we were two seasons ago with Moutier, where hey, be, which is well, wasn't fair on on Emmanuel, but you know two years ago it was Emmanuel. We want you to be the face of the franchise um, and our star point guard and basically our star player. And now now it's just hey, we just want you to be a part of our rotation. Um, if you can't get that out of him, then I mean let's 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 also point out the fact that 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 also looks real bad on Moutier. I mean obviously there, there's. Um, there would be questions you'd have to raise about him and why he couldn't get to that level. Uh, I think they're going to go for it, though. I think that they're at least going to give Murray and Moutier the shot first in training camp in preseason. I would be shocked even if the if the with barring of course injury, I would be shocked if Jameer Nelson is getting minutes um, to start the season. I would be. Uh, there, Me too. There'd have to be a big explanation, right? Me too, because I, I think that. Tim Connolly and Mike Malone are good uh, front office and coaching staff members. Like I, I think they know what they're doing, and that is a really important thing in the, with the development of this team. And they've they've continually made progress in the win column, and that's an important thing. But this is the next big step, and this is Moutier's third year. And we saw this with Yusuf Nurkic last year that they basically failed in their player development and. The Portland Trailblazers did not, and the Portland Trailblazers now have a steal uh, because of right. that awful trade. Uh, this is something that they cannot mess up. Uh, they have to make sure that. I, and I'm fine. I'm fine if they go with Nelson. That's fine. Like, but it just needs to be in a reduced role, and he needs to be the backup. And they need to commit to Jamal Murray if if that's what yeah. they want to do. Yeah, I, I guess like I, I get, I'm fine with Nelson if he ends up being the backup, but that to me that means that that your Emmanuel Moutier has um, basically his his time in Denver is done because if like I said if he can't if he can't beat on Nelson for that backup role then I don't think he's probably ever going to uh, make it with the team. But I'm fine with that honestly if that's the way, if if they give Moutier the opportunity first and he can't he can't do it and then they go to Nelson. I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is them go opening up opening night and saying, well, Moutier's on the bench and we're going to go with Nelson as our backup and he's going to play 20, 25 minutes, you know, and, and Jamal's because sometimes he's going to play with Jamal as Jamal's the shooting guard. I hate, I just hate the idea that the, I want them to play Moutier, Murray, and Harris in a three-guard rotation and I want that to be it with a little bit of Will Barton sprinkled in there who's, who's kind of trading his time between small forward and shooting guard. Yep. You can't do that Fine. with Nelson because you count, Nelson's a pure point guard, right? You can't. The nice thing about Moutier, Murray, and Harris is they're all basically combo guards who could probably survive at either uh, either the one or the two. You probably don't really like Harris too much at the one, um, but he could do it. You know what I mean? So you can't do that with Nelson. You can't have him survive at the two. I just they got to give Moutier the shot first. Also, the, if if uh, they're playing Nelson major minutes, like. It like I'm I'm talking over twenty minutes per game kind of role, then they're basically just giving up on defense this year. Yeah, right, 
Right, which is not, I mean, it's not a big knock against Jameer, but it's just it's just the facts of the matter. I mean, he's, what, 35 years old, and Six he's, foot. he's under, yeah, exactly. It's just, he's just not going to be, um, have the, the skills or the tools anymore to be a good defender. Um, all right, let's move into the next, the next big question on the rotation, which is backup power forward. Uh, we kind of alluded to it in the first half of the show. So the Nuggets, the way I look at it, they've got probably three guys um, who are currently on the roster who realistically could have a shot at that role, which would be Kenneth Reed, uh, who I think would be the leader in the clubhouse right now, Trey Lyles, and Wancho Herning Gomez. Kayla, out of those three, which one of those do you guys do you think ends up actually getting that spot as the backup power forward? Or is it someone else? Are you, um, you might be a big Tyler Lydon fan. Um, I, yeah, I think it depends on if Kenneth Reed is on the team. Um, if Freed is still on the team, I, I don't know, I... It'd be difficult to see how um, Hernan Gomez or Lyles would kind of take that spot. Um, not, I mean, it could happen, but I think if if Reed's not on the team, I think it would definitely be Wancho. Um, I think yeah. he's shown shown that he could um, fit into that, and um, obviously, I think the Nuggets are, are pretty big on him, rightfully so. So I think it's it depends on if Fareed's still on the team. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, and I think I think all of us will quickly point to Fareed first as the guy who's most likely not to be on the team. Simply because you look at you look at the number, all right, the contract number, um, Fareed, who doesn't have his contract isn't bad. I think it's a market value contract, but it's the highest number out of any of the guys, uh, any of those guys who could be playing pack up power forward. Um, Fareed's also the guy who probably can help a team the most right now. Uh, he could even start for a lot of teams in the NBA, so I think he's probably going to generate some more interest. The thing about it is, is, obviously, the market right now is is clearly fairly dry because if the Nuggets were getting great offers for Fareed, they would have already dealt him. So I think maybe they might not get much in return. Um, Ryan, do they almost, though, a little bit of a sidebar, do they almost have to just take whatever they can get for a deal for Fareed just to open up space for this backup power forward spot? If you can get a small forward, do it. I don't care. At this yeah, point, like, right. this is... Small forward is the biggest hole in the rotation. I think point guard is the biggest question, but they have bodies at point guard that they can use. Small right. forward is the one where it's it's really questionable because Wilson Chandler is very rarely healthy for an entire season. And right. Wancho Hernan Gomez is unproven as a small forward. Will Barton is probably not big enough to be a permanent small forward and also needs to play at, at the shooting guard position a little bit. So... Right. They have a lot of questions there, and Fareed is the piece that you're not necessarily sure how he's going to fit in. Uh, I think it's questionable what they plan on doing with a Fareed Plumley rotation as a, as the as the big man rotation, but Lyles just fits infinitely better there, and Hernan Gomez probably fits even better, though I. I think he'll probably play more small forwards. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with Farid at this point. If it were up to me, I would probably be entertaining as many offers as possible and just be trying to move on. Right. Which to me, I mean, it's somewhat of a shame. Like, it's funny because I think last year was the first year that we really went into and Freed really didn't have a lot of rumors swirling about him. He was pretty much set last year as the starting um, well, not as the starting power forward. When I think about it, he was coming off the bench to begin the year. Um, but he was pretty much set. There wasn't much talk about him. And then then this year, it starts up again. And like I said, it's not that Fareed is a bad player. It's just that he's just sort of like the odd man out here. And he just makes the most sense for him, the one to be dealt. 
So well, because I, they have a they have a thirty two to thirty four minute per game power forward right now. Right, right. Like exactly, how, how many exactly. how many They're minutes are you going? How many minutes are you going to play a power forward off the bench that doesn't space the floor? Like that is pretty much the cardinal sin in today's NBA. It's that you need a four out system, and they just don't have that if they cur- if they run what they currently have. So I'm right. I'm a really really worried about what they plan on doing. Uh, I think Coach Malone's going to have to make really hard decisions at this point, and it's going to be really interesting to see if that actually works a a Fareed Plumley type rotation. Right, yeah, and let's get into that because that's kind of, and that's how we'll wrap up our show. Uh, what you're talking about, the, because I think the thing that really compounds the Fareed Plumley rotation is what we were talking about earlier, in that you want Emmanuel Mudiay to be your backup point guard. So that means that you're gonna probably see some time uh, with Fareed Plumley and Mudiay on the floor together. That is terrible for spacing concerns. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess to put it one way. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you, even if you've got a guy like Wancho playing, playing small forward, who's a great, great three-point shooter, it's just the the lane is going to consistently be packed. And Moutier is a guy who needs to be able to get into the lane to be able to operate, to either either get to the rim um, and hopefully finish, or to be able to draw in everybody and then kick out to, to somebody who can shoot, which obviously you're not going to kick out to Fareed or Plumlee. Uh, so you're only you're down to two options there. I think that's a big a big reason why free might have to go. Uh, Kayla, what about you? Like, how concerned would you be if they tried to run with a Freed, Plumley, and Moutier lineup as their backups? Yeah, I, I would be very concerned. I don't I don't know if we would struggle most with defense or offense with that. I think <laughs> yeah that that would be um, that would be pretty bad. I think uh, yeah you'd have to the other two shooters would uh, the other two players would have to be guys that could stretch the floor a little bit um yeah I don't know that would be that would be pretty bad I think if they if they avoided that as much as possible that's probably that's probably for the best that's probably I I for sure I agree and I think that that's a great point you bring up too is the defense because I mean uh Fareed's not a very good defender um it's just just the fact of the matter is I mean he's got the the tools physically to be a, a good defender um, he, but he's just not Moutier again another guy who's got the tools physically but uh, we were talking earlier in the in the show about guys kind of not understanding rotations I think Moutier is probably the guy who seems to struggle with that the most or at least did last year um, and that is that that hurts you as well and then Plumley for for as, as stout again a guy with great physical tools he's just not the rim protector you would think for a guy that has that kind of athleticism and strength Um so you bring up that's a great point that the defense too would be pretty pretty suspect. What about you, Ryan? Do you th- would you be more con- would would you be more concerned about the defense or the offense? Oh, I don't know. I think with Will Barton on the floor, they'll be able to generate at least some points, and I don't think that the bench lineup is going to spend a ton of time. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Uh I don't know. That's that's a really difficult one because if you try and make some changes to that and say instead of Farid and Plumley, you go with Lyles and Plumley, and then you play Hernan Gomez at the three, Barton at the two, Moutier at the one. That means you got right. Moutier, Barton, Hernan Gomez, Lyles, and Plumley, and none of those guys are positive defenders. Nope. But that is still a lineup that I think you can generate some spacing with. So if if I had to say one, I still think defense. This team was thirtieth in the NBA or twenty ninth in the NBA for a reason in defense and i i'm definitely not uh i'm definitely not 
as concerned with anything else. But yeah, so I was gonna say, really, when you think about defense, the only guy who could probably uh, who could probably help you out in that in that backup power forward role might be Darrell Arthur. But I don't think Darrell Arthur. I mean, I think he's way down on the list of guys who's gonna get minutes. So he's he. I think Darrell Arthur is kind of like the new Mike Miller, basically. So, and that's fine. That's okay. They have a lot of young guys that they still need to develop, and they've got Millsap to play most of those minutes. Uh, besides, like, are you going to be really upset if Juancho Hernan Gomez is playing all of the minutes at backup four and backup three while they play Chandler and Millsap staggering? No, not at all. And that's one of the things I think that's nice about Wancho is that he can play both uh, three and four. I don't know that any of the other guys you can say can do that, which might help to tighten up your rotation into a nine-man rotation, which I'm always a fan of. I, I think nine-man rotations is pretty much pretty much where you want to be uh, regular season, and then you might even tighten it up to eight in the playoffs. But um, absolutely, you know, and so watch it. Yeah, right. Watch it can do that for you. Whereas a guy like Trey Lyles or Darrell Arthur or even a Kenneth Fareed um, can't, uh, unless you're going to try and play some of those guys at center, which uh, <laughs> I hear Adam Mara's cringing somewhere about <laughs> Kenneth playing center. Um, all right, tell you what, let's go ahead. We'll we'll wrap it up right there. We're because we're just about at an hour now. So. Um, like I said, guys, always always want to check us out at denverstiffs.com uh, and then on Twitter at denverstiffs. Check out uh, Kayla. She is at Chica, And make sure to check out Ryan. He is the ninth Ryan Blackburn on Twitter. So check him out at, at RyanBlackburn9. I am Zach Mikosh at Zach Mikosh. Simple enough. And then make sure to check us out on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Um, and Facebook as well. Get ready. The season is right around the corner, so you guys are going to start seeing more lots more Facebook Live videos. Of course, we'll start doing warm-ups again. Um, we'll probably try and do some stuff during Media Day, which is just a few weeks away. And then let's pump this up, too. Denver, uh, the Denver Stiffs will be doing another Stiffs Night Out. Uh, we're bringing that back. We kind of took a, took a hiatus from it a little bit last year, but we're bringing it back. We'll be there for opening night. Down at the Celtic, which is down, I believe, on 14th and Larimer, um, but it's down there in downtown. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a bunch of different Denver Stiffs writers will be there. I know Gil Whiteley from Mile High Sports will be there. Um, it's always a fun time, and opening night is always one of those times where we're super excited. So make sure to check us out on that. I think it's the October 18th, right? We'll be, we'll be jazzed for that game. Ha ha ha! Zings! I like it. I like it. Um, all right, so with that, we will we will go ahead and close out the show. Uh, yeah, we need to Kayla, leave. Ryan, That's bad. <laughs> appreciate I appreciate both of you being on. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. All righty, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.